Hello and welcome back to Read This Next with Ruth and Nicole. Uh, this week we are once again doing a revisit to an old topic because there's always new books coming out. So today we're going to be focusing on witches. Um, there is one book in this that is a male witch, but for the most part it will be featuring uh, female or I think there might be a non-binary witch as well, but either way, it's going to be a lot of witches, a lot of covens, a lot of uh, amazing authors, and a lot of representation, which is really great because I think a lot of times traditionally witches kind of get stereotyped into like the Salem lot, um, where it's mostly like the U.S. So uh, we got a bit more diversity this time and uh yeah i'm really excited about it and i think and then of course you've got like your younger boarding school witches genre right so this is something completely different and more fun well we think some of them will fall into the classics i'm sure but yeah i'm really i'm actually really excited about this list okay uh we're gonna start with uh over my dead body by sweeney boo which is a fabulous name okay Uh, One day, everything was exactly as it was supposed to be, and the next, the closest thing Abby ever had to a sister, Noreen, was just gone. Distracted by the annual preparations for the Samhain Festival, Abby's classmates are quick to put Noreen's disappearance aside, which is odd, in my opinion. Uh, The coven will find her, Abby's friend says. They have it under control, but Abby can't let it go. Soon, a search for answers leads her down a rabbit hole that uncovers more secrets than Abby can handle. As mounting evidence steers her towards the off-limits woods that surround the academy, she begins to see that Noreen's disappearance mysteriously has a lot in common with another girl who went missing all those years ago. And it's uh, it also says, for if you're a fan of the chilling adventures of Sabrina, uh, that this might be a good one for you. So this is a YA one. Um, and yeah it sounds more like the classic Mm -hmm. the classic teenage witch one well and i think the whole idea too is like i guess they're distracted by the preparations for sewing because that's like the big festival that would matter i'm glad you know how to pronounce it because i obviously pronounced it incorrectly i'm here for the weird gaelic words yay (laughs) but i'm not always perfect and like i'll get lost with the welsh ones so if we have a welsh witch i might be in trouble that's fair. It does say that that day is the ve- when the veil between the world of the dead and the living is at its thinnest. So I wonder if this takes place in. Oh, like where the setting is for the book, like whether it's in like Ireland or if it's in North America. Yeah, there's no indication in the description. No, oh. well, maybe we can look it up, find out, and it could be something to add to the show notes. There you go. All right. We are intrigued in knowing where this is happening. Yeah, I'm actually very curious. Yeah. Anyways, your turn. Okay. So the next one is Venko, which when you look at the uh, spelling on the title, it's interesting because the V is capitalized and the C is. And if you flip the code to the end, you've got Coven. Mm -hmm. Um, Really great cover art where it actually says Venko and Coven. Um, It's by Cherie Dimaline. Um, like amazing Canadian author. So that's pretty exciting. And I've read the beginning of it. I got an advanced reader's copy and then just, I confess, got a little bit busy. What I've read so far, I've really, really enjoyed. So I'm excited to share this with everybody else. Lucky St. James, a Métis millennial living with her cantankerous but loving grandmother, Stella, 
is barely hanging on when she discovers she will be evicted from their tiny Toronto apartment. Then one night, something strange and irresistible calls out to Lucky. Burrowing through a wall, she finds a silver spoon etched with a crooked-nosed witch and the word Salem, humming with otherworldly energy. Hundreds of miles away in Salem, Myrna Good has been looking for Lucky. Myrna works for Venco, a front company fueled by vast resources of dark money. (laughs) Lucky is familiar with the magic of her Indigenous ancestors, but she has no idea that the spoon links her to Venco's network of witches throughout North America. Generations of witches have been waiting for centuries for the seven spoons to come together, igniting a new era and restoring women to their rightful power. But as reckoning approaches, a very powerful adversary is stalking their every move. He's Jay Christos, a roguish and deadly witch hunter as old as witchcraft itself. Mm. To find the last spoon, Lucky and Stella embark on a rollicking and dangerous road trip to the darkly magical city of New Orleans, where the final showdown will determine whether Venko will usher in a new beginning or remain underground forever. And I have to say, like, the beginning of this book was super cool because it doesn't didn't actually start with Lucky. Mm. Um, it starts with a meeting of uh, some of the most powerful witches. Cool. But it has a very, like, interesting corporate vibe going, too, which I yeah. think comes out in the whole Venco piece. Yeah. Then company. I love that. Yeah. And this is uh, in, uh, there's a couple in this list that are only available on cloud library, like our next one, but this one is in our indigenous knowledge center. If you're looking for it. And it might be not where you think to look for it because it is like such a, like it's a, it's a witch story, but we really like to make sure that our authors, our indigenous authors are easily found altogether. So Mm. check out Mm. the IKC. Yeah. Uh, Our next one is How to Succeed in Witchcraft by Ashlyn Brophy. Uh, This is a YA one with a cool cover in my mind. Um, And this is one that you can only get on Cloud Library. So if you have a library card, you can also use that there. So, okay, here we go. Magically brilliant, academically perfect, chronically overcommitted life of most teenagers. Shay Johnson has all the makings of a successful witch. Now that she's a junior at TK Anderson Magical Magnet School, she's one step closer. I wonder if that spells anything. T-K-A-M-M-S. No. Uh, She's... Cams. She's one step closer to winning the full ride Brockton scholarship, her ticket to the university of her dreams. Her main competition, Anna freaking Alvarez, the key to victory, impressing Mr. B drama teacher and head of the scholarship committee. When Mr. B persuades Shay to star in this year's aggressively inclusive, racially diverse musical at their not quite diverse school, she agrees warily, even though she'll have to put up with Anna playing the other lead. But with rehearsals underway, Shay realizes that uh, Anna is not the despicable witch she thought. Perhaps she could even be a friend or more. And Shay could use someone in her corner once she finds herself on the receiving end of Mr. B's unpleasant and unwanted attention. When Shay learns that she's not the first witch to experience his inappropriate behavior, she must decide if she'll come forward. But how can she speak out when the scholarship and her future are on the line? An unforgettable debut, How to Succeed in Witchcraft conjures up searing uh, social commentary, delightfully awkward high school theater, and magical proclamations of love. It's interesting that at first it seems like, you know, the uh, enemies to love, cutesy, and then you add in the creepy teacher. Yeah. 
it, it feels like that part is like, let's hide, uh, add in some of those like teen angst issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's also an LGBTQ uh romance so it's got a lot of a lot of like real teenage issues going on in mm -hmm. this one and just just in a magic school but also trying to wrap to it up there. with like a little bit of fun and lightness that sometimes we find hard to find in like regular daily life yeah yeah i'm curious what uh musical they're doing that is aggressively inclusive racially diverse <laughs> good question yeah, I'm very Read curious. it to find out. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this next one is also only available on iCloud. Not oh, iCloud. Okay. Cloud Library. <laughs> you know what? It's a Thursday that feels like a Friday. Hey, as we're True. recording. True. So the next one up is Improbable Magic for Cynical Witches by Kate Skelsa. And I love the cover for this one. I think this it's is like... Sweet. It's sweet. It looks a little bit magical. It's kind of in the woods, you know, and we often end up talking about the covers. We haven't as much this episode, but this is, I think, the first one that for me personally, I just, I really dig it. Yeah. So here we go. 17-year-old Eleanor is the least likely person in Salem, so we are spending a fair bit of time in Salem, to believe in witchcraft or think that her life could be transformed by mysterious forces. Ostracized by her classmates after losing her best friend and first love, Chloe, Eleanor has spent the past year in a haze, vowing to stay away from anything resembling romance. So now it's pulling my heartstrings. We're not <laughs> that far in. But when a handwritten guide to tarot arrives in the mail at the witchy souvenir store where Eleanor works, it seems to bring with it the message that magic is about to enter her life. Cynical Eleanor is quick to dismiss this promise until real-life witch, Pix, shows up with an unusual invitation. Inspired by the magic and mystery of the tarot, Eleanor decides to open herself up to making friends with Pix and her coven of witches, and even to the possibility of a new romance. But Eleanor's complicated history in Salem continues to haunt her, and she is desperate to keep Pix from finding out the truth. Eleanor will have to reckon with the old ghosts that threaten to destroy everything, even her chance at new love. Improbable Magic for Cynical Witches is an atmospheric and romantic coming of age about learning to make peace with the past in order to accept the beauty of the present. It sounds really sweet. Again, a nice just coming of age, but it's also fantasy based and it's LGBTQ and it's very sweet and it just sounds like a very nice read. Yeah, I mean, she obviously has some heavy stuff that she's carrying, but mm -hmm. I, I feel like this is one that they might deal with that heavy stuff with a bit of a lighter hand and not pulling us too deeply into it, even though, like I said, my heartstrings have already been pulled. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It looks very sweet. Uh, this next one is also a Cloud Library one, and this is not a, a YA one. This is an adult one. Adult whatever paybacks a witch there was a trend when i was trying to find new titles of titles that use some sort of witch pun in them and mm. this is one of them very cutesy in that language yeah. use there was but another I mean, one called go hex yourself which i didn't include in this list but mm. in case you're but i mean this another. one also like when you're looking and i know you're going to get into it but it does say it's like a rom-com so that is sort of where those punny titles belong right yeah it makes perfect sense uh yeah so this is the first one in a series uh by lana harper 
Uh, do, 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 do. Emmy Harlow is a witch, but not a very powerful one, in part because she hasn't been home to the magical town of Thistlegrove in years. Her self-imposed exile has a lot to do with a complicated family history and a desire to forge her own way in the world. And only the very tiniest bit to do with Gareth Blackmore, heir to the most powerful magical family in town and casual breaker of hearts and destroyers of dreams. But when a spellcasting tournament that her family serves as arbiters for, it turns out the pull of tradition, or the truly impressive parental guilt trip that comes along with it, is strong enough to bring Emmy back. She's determined to do her familial duty, spend some uh, quality time with her best friend Lyndon Thorne, and get back to her real life in Chicago. Uh, on her first night home, Amy, Emmy not Amy, runs into Talia Amarov, an all-around badass adept in the darker magical arts, who was fresh off a bad breakup with Gareth Blackmore. Talia had let herself be charmed only to discover that Gareth was also seeing Lyndon, unbeknownst to either of them. Shame. And now she and Lyndon want revenge. Well, only one question stands. Is Emmy in? But most concerning of all, why can't she stop thinking about the terrifyingly competent, devastatingly gorgeous, wickedly charming Talia Armorov? Avr Avramov, not Armamov. Either way, sounds cute, sounds very John Tucker must die. And uh, yeah, Tom Fulbury abounds. <laughs> Well, I'm loving the names in this, right? Like it's in Thistle Grove and we've got someone yeah. whose name is Lyndon Thorne. So like a tree and a thorn for the name. Yeah. Blackmore. Like it's, but then that makes Talia even more exotic sounding. Mm -hmm. you They're know, all we, very like lyrical. And then there's Talia mm -hmm. Avramov. I love it. It sounds really, I, really cute. <laughs> and I love that. You know what? It's, I love the colors in the in the cover. Like they seem very appropriate for the word. It just or for the word. Ah, oh, don't mind me. <laughs> like for this rom com and the feel of it. Like it just it fits nicely. Yeah, it does. Very very cute. All right. So next up, we have the Year of Witching uh, by Alexis Henderson. It looks like it's the start of a series. It says Bethel number one here for us. In the lands of Bethel, where the prophet's word is law, Emmanuel Moore's very existence is blasphemy. Her mother's union with an outsider of a different race cast her once proud family into disgrace. So Emmanuel does her best to worship the father, follow holy protocol, and lead a life of submission, demotion, or sorry, submission, devotion, and absolute conformity like all the other women in the settlement. This is starting off pretty depressing. Yeah. But a mishap lures her into the forbidden dark woods surrounding Bethel, where the first prophet once chased and killed four powerful witches. Their spirits are still lurking there, and they bestow a gift on Emmanuel, the journal of her dead mother, who Emmanuel is shocked to learn once sought sanctuary in the woods. Much as she now seems to be doing. Mm-hmm. Fascinated by the secrets in the diary, Emmanuel finds herself struggling to understand how her mother could have consorted with the witches. But when she begins to learn grim truths about the church and its history, she realizes the true threat to Bethel is its own darkness. And she starts to understand that if Bethel is to change, it must begin with her. This feels like a very like heavy sort of like the beginning of a quest. Mm -hmm. It does. And I think that's whether exactly the quest is a series. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we tend to think of quests in terms of you know, the Lord of the Rings, like the big quest, but there's also these quests of like, how do we 
improve our community and, mm -hmm. and find well, our way forward. There's the, um, I'm sure you've heard of it, but there's like the hero's journey cycle, which is yeah. like the idea isn't that they have to necessarily go, go somewhere. Anywhere. They can just like go into a dark place or like the unknown is like the journey itself. So even if it's internal, it can be some sort of journey. Yeah, yeah. And this one specifically says it's a feminist fantasy debut. Um, so it seems like it's a bit more of a serious one compared to what was the other one that I'm thinking of that we just talked about? Was it Venko? No, How to Succeed in Witchcraft, where they kind of, they sound like opposite ends of kind of the same spectrum, where they're looking at the feminist, like, they're looking at how their magical society is not working with the current, like, system that they're living in. Yeah. But one seems a little bit more, this one seems more serious. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The other one is I mean, more... and also, this is an adult mm -hmm. fiction versus... Um, yeah. a young adult fiction. So that's obviously going to affect the themes and how things are handled. Yeah. Even the cover dark. Oh yeah. It's a very like serious cover. It actually like leans more towards almost a literary fiction cover versus mm. a popular fiction. And oh my goodness, I was reading such interesting things about covers yesterday. Oh yeah. And, like the covers of young adult fiction and also just like themes in young adult fiction recently. Cool. I know that's not for now, but super, Tell super me about it later for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um okay this next one speaking of covers i'm actually going to move it so you can probably see it a bit better it's so beautiful right how gorgeous is that okay it's very so, lush yeah it's yeah i really like it um for our listeners it is a crow uh with the words wayward in front of it and then there is like a bunch of picture the word cottage core over a black um, i mean over a green backdrop and you're you, that's the vision uh so this is wayward by amelia hart no yeah amelia mm -hmm. hart i am a wayward and wild inside 2019 under the cover of darkness kate flees london for ramshackle wayward cottage inherited from a great aunt she barely remembers with its tumbling ivy and overgrown garden, the cottage is worlds away from the abusive partner who tormented Kate. But she begins to, begins to suspect that her great aunt had a secret, one that lurks in the bones of the cottage hidden ever since the witch hunts of the 17th century. 1619, Alpha is awaiting trial for the murder of a local farmer who was stampeded to death by his herd. As a girl, Alpha's mother taught her their magic um a kind not rooted in spell casting but in a deep knowledge of the natural world but unusual women have i'm stuttering all over this paragraph but do you want me to pick it up for you or are you good no, i got it thanks okay. um but unusual women have always been deemed dangerous and as the evidence for witchcraft is set out against alpha she knows it will take all of her power to maintain her freedom 1942 so i jump back ahead uh as world war ii rages violet is trapped in her family's grand crumbling estate straight jacketed by social convention she longs for the robust education her brother receives and for her mother long deceased who was rumored to have gone mad before her death the only traces violet has of her are a locket bearing the initial w and the word wayward scratched into the baseboard of her room Weaving together the stories of three extraordinary women across five centuries, Amelia Hart's 
uh, Wayward is a enthralling novel of female resilience and the transformative power of the natural world. It's, yeah, this sounds, this is the kind of witch that isn't magic. Like the other ones have very much seemed like they were spellcasting, um, some sort of innate magical ability, whereas this one seems much more akin with things like Wiccans do now. And the whole idea of like the forest witch. Oh, I've never, I don't know anything about that. Oh, forest witches. And I, when you think about it, the cover too, it has that, like when you started talking about the 1619 alpha, the cover also makes me think of Renaissance paintings and the still Mm. lifes they would do. So it all kinds of, it ties together really, really beautifully. Yeah, it sounds really, I, it's an, um, I know at the, at the top we said we were going to see a bunch of different types of witches. And I think this is one of the, the other ones were all very, like I said, magic. And this is yeah. the relationship with the natural world as a form of magic and how that works, which is very interesting and fresh. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And next we have In the House in the Dark of the Woods. By Laird Hunt, and I'm going to tell you this cover creeps me out. Yeah, like not as much as when we were doing um, that woman with that, no the teeth one. Yeah, yeah, that one creeped me right. This one isn't quite so, but all these hands reaching over a wolf's head—it looks like it's a little intense. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it wants to be, so that's great. I mean, you want the cover, well, you want the cover art to give an idea of what you're getting yourself into, right? Oh, for I sure. know we don't judge books by covers, but on the- Oh, we like, do. I do. You sort of can't help but do it. And at the end of the day, it should, a good cover translates into an image what the book, where the book is going to lead you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. once upon a time, there was and there wasn't a woman who went into the woods, or sorry, went to the woods. In this ingenious horror story set in colonial New England, a woman goes missing. Or not missing. Perhaps she has fled, abandoned her family. Or perhaps she's been kidnapped and set loose to wander in the dense woods of the north. Alone and possibly lost, she meets another woman in the forest. Then everything changes. On a journey that will take her through a wolf-haunted wood, down a deep well, and onto a living ship made of human bones, our heroine is forced to confront her past and may find that the evil she flees has been inside her all along. Eerie and disturbing, in the house in the dark of the woods, is a novel of psychological horror and suspense told in Laird Hunt's acclaimed lyrical prose style. It is the story of a bewitching, a betrayal, a master huntress and her quarry. It is a story of anger, of repression, of revenge, and redemption. It is a story of a haunting, one that forms the bedrock of American mythology, told in a vivid voice you will never forget. I think this one would keep me up at night. Really? Because this doesn't seem... Psychological horror. That gets me. That's fair. I, I It's interesting because when I read this, I don't see how it's a psychological horror based on the description. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I don't have any idea what the horror is going to be. Like clearly they're saying it's something internal with her, but, and also this also implies when I made this list, it implied there was witches in it, but it doesn't necessarily spell that out in the description. So it's, 
No, but there's a living ship made of human bones. Oh, yeah. There's definitely who is is the master huntress? Is it the woman who goes missing or the woman she meets? Like the woman she meets could be a witch. There's yeah. Like it's it's one of those kind of amazing descriptions because it tells you a lot. But also not like Mm -hmm. it, it, it really ties in with that first line that we've got of once upon a time there was and there wasn't a woman who went to the woods Mm -hmm. we have a lot of information and yet we don't yeah yeah so i'm this one too i probably would not want to read it because it's it says it's scary which is not i'm not a fan of but it makes me want to read it yeah it makes you want to read it and not want to read it at the same time there's a super spooky book for you one day no but you'll never read it you'll never read it (laughs) I'll tell you about it after. Sounds good. I'm just going to leave things hanging here. Like, let me tell you stories later. <laughs> we'll chat later. <laughs> um, let's go to the last one. So we kind of did these in order of like, like progressively we're getting darker. Um, and this last one is back to YA to end on a light note. Uh, this is a older book um, called Revenge of the Witch. It is the first book in the Last Apprentice series by Joseph Delaney. Um, short description, but this book has been around for a very long time. And at one point it was very popular. So give it a shot, bring it back. And this is the one book that we include that is a male witch. Uh, Potentially. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. Either way, Thomas Ward is the seventh son of a seventh son. Classic. And has been apprenticed uh, apprenticed to the local spook. The job is hard, the spook is distant, and many apprentices have failed before Thomas. Somehow Thomas must learn to exercise ghosts, contain witches, and bind boggarts. So this is, he's obviously not a witch, but there are witches. Well, I don't know. But what is the local spook? We need details. You know what? I I remember buying these books Mm -hmm. for years, but I've never actually read one. I wonder, I feel like he's probably a wizard and either way. But when he is tricked into freeing Mother Malkin, the most evil witch in the county, uh, the horror begins. Dot, dot, dot. So it's a, a short description, but... You know, you know exactly what you're getting into. A kid who is clearly the seventh son of the seventh son is also supposed to be like a magical significance. Um, And then he's training to, it's very much like a YA version of the Witcher where it's this person taking down a whole bunch of bad guys and like evil creatures. So it's, it sounds simple and like each book will be building on it. I like it. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. I think that was, uh, we covered a lot of different books. Yeah. A uh, lot of variety. That's a good variety. Yeah. Really pumped about this list, actually. it's. I feel like it's got a little bit of something for everybody. But yeah. yeah. Well, because it goes from the more serious, the more dark, to, you know what? Like, I think witches are kind of interesting and kind of fun, but like, don't scare me too much. Yeah. Give me my rom-com. Give me Line. something light and entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Know where where your boundaries are and keep them healthy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Uh, That being said, uh, if you missed any titles or authors, as always, you can check our show notes, which are available at tbplofftheshelf.com. Follow us on socials at tbplofftheshelf.com. 
PL across the board. And uh, yeah, like, comment, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. And we'll see you all again in two weeks. Bye-bye.